so I apologize in advance. But it just necessitates, the message I'm going to bring necessitates it. Um, but you could begin by turning to uh, Luke chapter 21. I'll tell you a little bit about what I'm going to share. I haven't preached this message in probably 25 to 30 years. It's been a long time. Shamefully, I say, I haven't brought this. But I'm going to begin a little short mini-series this morning called What's Coming. What's Coming? Boy, I'll tell you, uh, people who have been living, you know, with their head in the sand, head down, just going about their day, are starting to lift up their head and look around and go, what the heck is going on? Uh, the world has gone mad. So what's around the corner? What's up? So anxiety levels are, are rising. I don't need to go through the statistics. You all are aware of the evidence. Uh, but this is turbulent times. Um, I remember as a kid, my dad, my brother, and I uh, took the pickup truck and uh, put a boat on the back and drove from Kansas City across the flat Kansas plains into eastern Colorado heading for the Rocky Mountains to spend three weeks up there just living off whatever we could catch out of the streams and stuff. And it was wonderful. But I never forget how that about a day and a half we're driving, we stopped, camped out overnight. And it's just wheat fields, you know, just slowly moving, flat as can be. We didn't realize that as we crossed over into um, eastern Colorado, that, that the, the elevation level was actually gradually rising. And I noticed in the western horizon, a purple thin line on the horizon began to emerge. You know what that was. What was that? That's the Rocky Mountains. Well, we were hundreds of miles away, but you could see them. And as we drove for hours, that little ribbon of purple began to increase and get larger and larger. And eventually, we could see some detail of white caps, but still nothing, just flat wheat. When you hit uh, Denver, you're at that point 5,000 miles over sea level elevation. And then all of a sudden, we came over a rise. There's the city of Denver, and the Rocky Mountains are right in front of us. It's literally like wheat and then rock, <laughs> mountains. It's really dramatic how that happens. Um, so kind of visually, keep that in mind, because I want to talk about what's coming. And it's a little like that. We're just cruising along. We're noticing a rise in elevation. Things are heating up, and then we're going to come slap up against something. This morning, my first message about what's coming is about the rapture. And like I said, it's been 25, 30 years. I've probably been amiss. Um, there's just so much information out there and everybody's talking about it. I figured I don't need to add my two cents. But I do need to add my two cents. So I've been for six months thinking about this and it's been mulling over my spirit. About two, three weeks ago, I was about to preach it and the Holy Spirit just said, woe up and, and I swerved into that message nevertheless. But today, the Lord says, today's the day. So, let me start off by saying that in the midst of Jesus giving his prophetic warnings about the apocalypse, he reveals something right in the middle of it, Matthew 24, Luke 22, he, he reveals something utterly amazing. And let me read the little selection of scripture from Luke 21, 34 through 36, that has this little insert among all of these horrible details about the great tribulation, the tribulation of the apocalypse. So here we go. This is Jesus. 
And take heed to yourselves, lest at any time your hearts be overburdened with surfeiting. Surfeiting, we don't usually use that term. It means a hangover. Hangover, drug hangover, alcohol hangover, whatever. So, lest at any time take heed that your hearts not be overburdened with hangover and drunkenness and the cares of this life, and so that that day comes upon you unawares. For as a snare it will come upon all them that dwell upon the whole earth. Watch, therefore, and pray always so that you may be accounted worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. That insertion is amazing. You would almost just read over it as some sort of religious phrase, not considering what he had just said. But let's back up because Jesus has just revealed a plan that is in place to completely escape the terrors of the seven-year tribulation that's coming upon the earth at the end of the age. And that plan is called the rapture. And the comments of Jesus tell us that those who are counted worthy of it will escape, listen carefully to his phrase, all those things that shall come to pass and stand before the Son of Man. Now that condition of worthiness is based on maintaining an active relationship with Jesus through living vigilant and prayerful, just staying in the grace of God, being a follower of Christ. It doesn't say that a special select few, some prominent ones, some elites are going to go. It says everyone who's in Christ will be considered worthy and they will escape those things that are happening. Now the word rapture, most of you know the word rapture does not appear in the Bible, but the rapture is all over the pages of the New Testament. You'd be amazed how many of the references you're familiar with in Scripture refer to escaping the wrath of God. The word rapture comes from 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 17 where Paul explains the event and he uses the term caught up. We will be caught up and that describes what will happen. Let me read it to you. Uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 verse 13 through chapter 15, 11. So this is part of the excessive use of scripture. Now we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about those who are asleep, that means those who have died, so that you will not be grieved like the rest who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose from the dead, so also we believe that God will bring with him all those who have died, fallen asleep as Christians. For we tell you this by the word of the Lord. Let me pause for a moment. Um, what Paul is saying is, we are telling you this by a revelation from God. Jesus said next to nothing about the rapture. But then again, Jesus said next to nothing about the church. The church age, the fact that believers would, would come together and be the body of Christ upon the earth for 2,000 years was hidden in the Gospels of Jesus. He didn't bother to get into it all. Um, quite frankly, I think his Jewish audience would have just been, that would have been the thing that just put him right over. Um, they were expecting 
the Messiah to be a political Messiah. They were a little fuzzy about what this salvation deliverance would be, but they certainly didn't see and anticipate the church age, which we're living in. So naturally, the escaping, the catching away, the rapture of the church at the end of the church age, of necessity also had to be hidden from them because if Jesus said the church is going to be raptured, they would have said, what's a church? So he says, the things that we say to you, um, we are speaking to you by the word of the Lord, by revelation from the Lord. Uh, that we who are alive and left at the Lord's coming will surely not go ahead of those who have died. For the Lord himself, here you go, will come down from heaven with a shout of a command, with a voice of an archangel, with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and who are left will be suddenly caught up. The word caught up, there's the word that we translate into the word rapture. We will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Notice the phrase, meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. So let's talk for just a moment about his phrase, caught up, and where we get rapture from. The Greek word caught up, phrase caught up is harpazo. And um, I'm sure none of you know what harpazo is, but it, it's a wonderful word. It means to seize for oneself, to take, to snatch, to pluck up for oneself. It shows a certain uh, act of um, authority, of violence, of taking what is one's own. And the, the Latin translation of harpazo is the word rapio. We get the word rapture from. That is the English way of saying rapio. So now you understand where the word rapture came from. It's talking about the catching away. So you see Jesus coming in the clouds. He doesn't come down to the earth. He's in the clouds. And he, with a shout like a trumpet, the command of God, commands his people to come up and meet him. And the Bible says it will be in an instant, a split second, instantly the dead in Christ will rise and those who are alive will be caught up with the Lord in the air. So let's, we've given that little explanation about where the word rapture comes from. Let's continue because Paul keeps talking. Now on the topic of times and seasons, brothers and sisters, you have no need for anything to be written to you, for you know quite well that the day of the Lord will come in the same way as a thief does in the night. Now when they are saying there's peace and security, suddenly destruction comes on them like the labor pains on a pregnant woman and they will surely not escape. But you, brothers and sisters, are not in darkness for the day to overtake you like a thief would. For you are the sons, daughters of light, the sons and daughters of the day. We are not of the night nor of the darkness. The phrase, the night, the darkness, speaks of the tribulation, the seven-year apocalyptic period. The earth goes from what we have known for thousands of years as the light. Awful things happen in the light, but it's the light. There's the light of the Lord's presence, light of revelation. Lights out darkness, the tribulation period. So, 
he says, you're not of the night, you're of the day. So then we must not sleep like the rest, but must stay alert and sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night. Those who get drunk, drunk at night. But since we are of the day, we must stay sober, putting on for a breastplate uh, of uh, faith and of love and as a helmet, our hope of salvation. Now listen, for God did not destine us for wrath, but for gaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us so that whether we are alert, alive, or asleep, dead, um, he will come to life. We will come to life together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build up one another just as you are in fact doing. Okay, so let's begin by answering the most important question about the rapture, and that is why. Why would God, why will God remove every person who has Christ in their heart, everyone whose name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life, why will every one of them be removed from the earth? What's the purpose of that? And the answer to that will lead to understanding the rise of the Antichrist, the tribulation, the apocalyptic period, the timing of the rapture, and a whole bunch of other things. But everything begins and hinges on understanding why is God going to rapture his church. Now notice Paul's declaration, for God did not destine us to wrath. That is pivotal. God did not ordain wrath for you. That holds the critical answer to why the rapture exists. And here is the thing you have got to arm yourself with. If you don't get this, you're going to be like everybody else on Facebook who comes up with all these crazy theories about that we're going to go through the tribulation and we're going to go halfway through it and, and all of these confusions and erroneous teachings. There is a difference between persecution and the wrath of God. They couldn't be any farther apart from one another. Persecution comes from men. The wrath of God comes from God. Persecution comes from men and it's punishment on the righteous for being people of God. That's persecution. The wrath of God is not punishment on the righteous. It's punishment on the wicked for rejecting Christ and serving Satan. You see how these things are completely diametrically opposed to one another. You must understand this because there's people out there and have been for years that say the, the church is going to go through the, the, the uh, tribulation. If the church is going through the tribulation, then Jesus didn't die for our sins. The new covenant, the entire New Testament that brings salvation pivots and is rooted on the fact that Jesus took the wrath of God for our sins saving us from wrath. I'm going to share with you a couple of verses because you might be sitting there thinking, well, that preaches nice. Maybe that's just your opinion. So we want to make sure we're not basing anything on man's opinion. But you've got to understand, these issues are not fuzzy. There's nothing fuzzy about the rapture. It's absolutely laser clear what it is, why it is, and what it's going to do to the world. Persecution is from men. 2 Timothy 3.12 says, Indeed, all who desire to live godly in Christ 
shall be persecuted. Jesus said, if they persecuted me, they'll persecute you. Persecution's part of being a Christian. We're not told we're going to escape persecution. We're living right towards persecution. So Christians have been persecuted for 2,000 years. Is that not right? Persecution is part of the Christian life. We take up our cross, we follow him, we are going to be persecuted. The wrath from God, which is punishment for the wicked, for rejecting Christ and serving Satan. Listen to these verses that talk about the wrath of God. John 3, 36. The one who believes in the Son has eternal life. The one who rejects the Son will not see life, but God's wrath remains on him. So you clearly see he juxtaposes. If you receive Christ, God's wrath does not rest upon you. Let's, let's make it a little more clear. Romans 2.5. But because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath for yourselves in the day of wrath. There's a phrase that repeats throughout the New Testament, the day of wrath. There's a such a thing called the day of wrath. That day of wrath refers to the apocalypse, seven-year tribulation period. And he says, he warns people, he says, because your unrepentant heart, you're storing up wrath for yourself in the day of wrath. Right now, and for 2,000 years, as horrible as human history's been, we have seen wickedness and evil and horrible things, but it's man doing things to man. It's what we do to ourselves. It is the consequence of living in sin. It is a world broken under sin. But you haven't seen anything yet. When you read the book of Revelation, you find out this is not normal. Nothing like this has ever happened before. Because we go from living in a broken world to living under the wrath of God. When God gets into the program, then things are really, things are really bad. So, Revelation 6, here's another one, 16 through 17. This, by the way, is taken from right in the middle of the book of Revelation, right in the middle of the tribulation period. It talks about the people on the earth, and it says, They cried to the mountains and the rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the face of the one who sits upon the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of their wrath has come. So the great day of wrath hasn't come yet. And the announcement is, in the middle of the tribulation, the day of their wrath has come, and who will survive it? So, let's make sure we understand this. Because of Christ in us, we're persecuted. But at the same time, because of Christ in us, we shall not see wrath. The tribulation is the day of God's wrath, and the church cannot be on the earth when it hits. Romans 5.9, let's nail that down with some scripture. Being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath to come through him. 1 Thessalonians 1.10, wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus our deliverer from the coming wrath. So what did Jesus deliver you from? Not just your sins, but from the wrath to come. Why? Why will he not leave you there? Is it because you're better than everybody else? No, but you're in a better position. Christ 
is your grace, your shield. He absorbed the wrath of God for our sins. He's not going to turn around and make you suffer his wrath. That's what's so wonderful about receiving Jesus. Somebody say, praise the Lord, if this is soaking in anywhere. Praise God. Okay, so the next important question is, what will the rapture produce? What's going to happen when the rapture comes? You know, other than Jesus' first coming, the rapture is going to be the most pivotal and consequential event in human history because it's going to kick off the tribulation. You're going to begin to see, as I'm laying this out, how foolish it is to listen to people who tell you, well, Christians are going to go through the tribulation. Because Christians have always suffered. Why should we escape suffering? We've suffered persecution. Not wrath. Not the wrath of God. The wrath of man. That's persecution. So, it's going to become obvious to you, and the rapture will kick off the tribulation. Let me read... Paul's explanation for that in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, the first eight verses. Now regarding the arrival of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered to be with Him, His arrival in the clouds in heaven, are catching up to be with Him. So now regarding the arrival of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered to be with Him, we ask you, brothers and sisters, not to be easily shaken from your composure or disturbed, disturbed by any kind of spirit or message or letter allegedly from us to the effect that the day of the Lord has already come and is already here. Let no one deceive you in any way. For that day will not arrive until the rebellion, the Greek word is apostasy, until the apostasy, which literally means the falling away from the faith. The rebellion is not Black Lives Matter burning 47 cities in America. It's not Antifa smashing windows and destroying cars. The falling away, the rebellion that Paul's writing about, that day will not come until there is a falling away, means a falling away from the truth. People who have claimed to be Christians turning their back on the truth of the gospel and turning away and rejecting the truth. And of course, there's a tremendous shaking right now going on in the, in the widest definition of the word, the church. And there's a great shaking as believers are choosing to reject the word of God for the current trends in uh, social ideology. And so churches are moving away from one another. So he says, that day will not arrive until the rebellion, the falling away, comes and the man of lawlessness is revealed. Who's he talking about? He's talking about the Antichrist, the son of destruction, who opposes and exalts himself above every so-called God or object of worship. And as a result, he takes his seat in God's temple, displaying himself as God. Surely you recall that I used to tell you these things while I was still with you. Notice the teaching on the rapture and what's going to happen was common. It was taught all over the New Testament church. He said, remember when I was with you, we, we always talked about these things. And now he says, and this is pivotal, and so you know what holds him, the Antichrist, what holds him back so that he 
will be revealed in his own time. For the hidden power of lawlessness is already at work. In other words, 5,000 elevation. We're slowly ramping up. We can see that, but we haven't hit that rocky range just yet. So you know who is holding him back. And the one who is holding him back will do so until he is removed out of the way. And then the Antichrist will be revealed whom the Lord will destroy by the breath of his mouth and wipe out by the manifestation of his arrival, the second coming, the second advent. All right. So he said some pretty powerful things here. Removing the restraint. There is a restraint that is restraining the spirit of Antichrist that's been working in the earth for 2,000 years. We see it operating in government. We see it operating in schools and society. Everywhere there's a vibrant, pulsating uh, desire for evil to rise up, throw off the restraints of clarity, reality, clear thinking, and, um, and begin to push the world over the edge into insanity and darkness. In other words, the night. The night is trying to be born. The darkness is trying to be born. But something is holding it back. Somebody guess what that something is. Jesus said, you are the light of the world and the salt of the earth. Just understand that it is the removal of the church that will immediately release and kick off the tribulation. The removal of the presence of the church by the rapture will release the Antichrist to be free to emerge. He will burst forth. All the restraints will be gone. The release of deception, such as the world has never seen, and evil, such as the world has never seen, to accelerate unabated will be released. The church being taken out of the earth will release the wrath of God. The whole earth will change. Now the people of the world, there's been a separation. And the wrath that has been held up for centuries will be poured out for seven years. And the earth will become a kill box. Now that's horrible. We don't want to think about it. But you read the book of Revelation and that's the only way to describe it. It'll be a kill box. And most of the killing will be supernatural elements being unleashed as the vials and the trumpets are sounded and the angels pouring out the wrath of God. But you know, even in the day of wrath, even after, and, and by the way, where are we going? We meet him in the air. What happens for that seven years? It's not the purpose of my message, message to talk about that today, but we're going to be with the Lord. And for seven years, there's something called the marriage supper of the Lamb. Hallelujah. And we're not going to talk about that this morning, but I don't know. Sounds good to me. Praise God. Um, but that day of wrath and all that's going to happen on the face of the earth, even though it will be horrible, God's door of grace, His love for people, the door of grace will not be closed. People have said falsely that the Holy Spirit will be removed from the earth and the Holy Spirit is holding back the devil. That's not true. The Holy Spirit may be in us, 
but it's we who are the salt, we are the light. The Holy Spirit's going to be here because the gospel will be here. Don't you know that the, within hours of the rapture, within days of the rapture taking place, you're just going to experience the greatest altar call that's ever existed in history. Tens, hundreds, maybe of thousands, maybe millions of people are going to say, dang it, I knew I should have got with the program. I missed the bus. People are going to say, wow, I was foolish. And now it's going to cost me. But millions will turn to Jesus throughout that tribulation period. We refuse to take the mark of the beast. The Bible says there's one, two, three, about three groups of people that will become the people of God. The tribulation saints, those who get saved during the tribulation period. The 144,000 Jews whom God has sealed who will turn to the Messiah Jesus. The two witnesses of Revelation 11, the two prophets who prophesy in the streets of the capital of the wherever that is going to be, and then are martyred and put to death. And throughout the book of Revelation, all three of these groups are also caught up. That's where people get the mistake and say, oh, there's a mid-tribulation rapture. Not us. It's the tribulation saints. It's the two witnesses. The two witnesses are raptured, but that's not you and I. So the Lord gives the same grace to those, but they've paid for their departure with their lives. They're martyred for their, for their trust in Jesus because they, re, they waited until the day of wrath and they got saved during that time. So the rapture is not the second coming. The second coming is the second coming. Rapture before the tribulation, the second coming ends the tribulation. The rapture begins the tribulation. Second coming ends the tribulation. At the rapture, Jesus comes for his church. I don't have time to go into it, but if you read the verses in some of the, the scriptures that I've read you, it says he comes for us. When you read about the second coming, he comes with us. We're with him. When he descends from heaven in the second coming, the Bible says we are with him riding on white horses. And the angels of heaven and the armies of God and the people of God all come. You know about the battle of Armageddon and all of that. Very dramatic. But we're with him. He doesn't come for us. He comes with us. At the second coming, Jesus comes with his church and every eye beholds him. Now, obviously, scientifically, every eye can't behold him all at the same time. But they eventually behold him. He comes his feet touch upon the Mount of Olives. He comes to Jerusalem. Everyone there, probably in the Valley of Megiddo, the Battle of Armageddon, they see his coming. But eventually the whole world will see him. He will make himself known to the whole world. So when he comes at the second coming, everyone sees him. When the rapture happens, no one sees him. They don't know what happened. All of a sudden, bam, people disappear. Graves are empty. Now, I want to finish this message this morning by asking you to think, why is the rapture so important? Why is it so important to you? I, I couldn't make this point that I want to make to you this morning, probably 10 years ago or longer. The things that I used to predict, the Bible predicted, that people said 10, 20, 30, 40 years ago, um, like somebody said, 
I have to get some new conspiracy theories because they've all come true. 10, 20, 30, particularly 30, 40 years ago, the things that we said were met with eye rolling. Even in the congregation, people would be like, that sounds a little outrageous. Today, when I say to you, why is the rapture important to you? Because we see the birth pains of society. We see the shuddering, the rumbling. We see the elevating 5,000 feet above sea level, the slow elevation that ramps up to the event. And we see it, and it scares us. People are freaking out all over social media, and you know what it's doing? It's causing 2 Timothy 4.1 to come to pass. The Bible says, Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine, for the time will come when people will not endure sound doctrine, but heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. People are going nuts, and you know what? For all the desire, oh, explain what's coming, what's coming, what is it? There's some fool on YouTube, Facebook, wherever, who is just all too eager to answer all those questions and come up with some of the most ridiculous stuff. Well, I can't help it. i got to mention one thing. I just found out. I, I had lunch with Jesse earlier this week. I didn't believe him at first. I had to go home and check. Did you know that there's an emerging group of flat earthers and most of them are Christian? Yeah, check it out, man. They literally believe the earth is flat and they've got scientific models to show it and, they, and they're saying things like, when I learned that the earth is really flat, everything came together for me. So there, I have known, you know, I've been preaching for nearly 50 years. And in that time, <clears throat> I haven't become any smarter necessarily, but if you keep your eyes open, you just notice things, you notice trends. One of the things I notice is that even among Christians, there's a desire to say, I've got something special that nobody else has. There's a desire to elevate yourself and want to stand out and seem important and I know a secret and you don't know a secret. So those guys always write books. I remember this guy made a fortune writing the book, Christ Returns by 1984. Years before that, I was the first time I taught out of Revelation. I taught the Revelation series. And um, I said, save your money. Save your money. Save your money. Don't buy the book unless you, you know, we didn't have eBay back then. But if I could have seen eBay, I would have bought up a whole bunch of those books. Uh, we could have, we could add some money. But um, the point is, people can't help themselves. They gravitate. There's something in personalities. People get saved, but they still have to let the Word of God change them. And so people, you know, their quirkiness, their idiosyncratic ways, and, and uh, their, their, their needy emotions take time. And sometimes they don't submit to the Lord, and they just stay that way. And anybody's been in church long enough, you know that you have run into them. So why is the rapture important to you? Because in a time when everybody's going nuts, and saying crazy things, and we have come to the time where they are not enduring sound doctrine, heaping to themselves teachers, 
lots of opinion, you better know the facts. You need to know the truth. Why? Well, first of all, the rapture is signless. There's absolutely no sign given that precedes the rapture. It can happen right now. It could happen at any moment. The only thing that vaguely resembles a sign is that kind of beginning of birth pains, that ramping up. When you see the world um, beginning to go into the birth pains of evil and night, the night of the wrath of God, the darkness is trying to be born. Now look at what's going on in the schools, the craziness, the, um, the weaponization of our government against decent people, the uh, fall of our culture, the unbelievable sickness that is manifesting itself throughout our culture and in the church. I can only explain it as the birth pains of the night. The night's trying to be born. It'll be our removal that gives it birth, allows it to spring forth and manifest. So why is it important to know that the rapture exists and that it's coming and you're going to be a part of it so that you don't get freaked out, so that you know what's going on? And let me say this, because this is important. As long as we're here, our mission is clear. We don't go hide in caves. We don't go run away. We don't go um, saying there's no use in trying to work to make society better, trying to elevate clarity, because as long as we're here, our mission is to be the light and to be the salt that preserves the rotting of food. So we are preservation against the rot. Why should we stay with that mission? Because as long as we're here, God's with us. Jesus is here. He hasn't changed his mind. Go into all the world, make disciples. That's our mission. And there should be hope, expectation, and faith for good things to happen while we're here because we are that salt. Praise God. So you should know that you don't throw in the towel till God throws in the towel with the rapture. And then he's not, it's not a towel of defeat, it's a towel of we need to shift gears. It's time to start bringing this thing to an end so that we can bring it to a new beginning. By the way, that's what happens after the second coming is the Lord brings us to a new beginning, but that's another message. So we want to remain actively hopeful, the sight and the, law, the, the salt and the light because as long as we're here, he is working in his grace. And I want to close with this verse, Hebrews 10, 24 through 25. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and to good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. What day? The day of the Lord. All the more. The Lord is saying through the author of Hebrews, as you see that the rapture probably is not that far off, tighten up. It's not the time to be a recreational Christian. It's time to be a professional Christian. It's not the time to be on vacation with, from God. It's a time to be involved with the body of Christ. That's why this message is important. Because we want to get as much done as we can. We don't know when the Lord's going to catch away the church. 
I personally don't think it's going to be within the next 10 days. I think it's going to be a while, but I have no guarantee for that. So we want to live ready. Watch and pray. By the way, I know that was, I, I said I was going to close, little fib. Um, Jesus said, what do you do because the rapture's coming? Watch. What are you watching? What are you looking at? Yes, of course, we're watching for the Lord. But how do, how do we watch for the Lord? As you see the ramping up. I said, I saw that blue ribbon hundreds of miles away. Watched it for hours as it grew. I knew it was coming. Back in Kansas City, we didn't see the blue ribbon. You had to get somewhat close. But once you saw the blue ribbon, you weren't there, but you knew it was coming. Watch and pray. That little blue ribbon is reaching up into the skies. So close your Bible, stand with me.